earth will shout your praise, our hearts will cry, these bones will sing, great are you. shout your praise our hearts will cry these bones will sing great are you Lord and all the earth will shout your praise our hearts will cry these bones will sing great are you Lord it's your breath in our Second Chronicles chapter 7 and verse 14 will be our scripture this morning. Second Chronicles chapter 7 and verse 14. Well, I think I'm going to follow her. She's got food. <laughs> yeah. Uh, before we get into the message, I, I want to mention a little bit more about the, the building fund offering and the projects we have going on. What, what we're doing is to, for the building to look better, especially in the education spark, part, spark. Spark is not a word, part. But, but the goal is not just to make it look better. The goal is to put it to use again. And my vision and my goal for the coming year is that we will again see Sunday school classes back there in, in the beginning of a children's ministry again something that's been missing for some time, but something that we desperately need to begin to focus on. And so when you give uh, to this offering, 
it's to help it look better, but more than that, it's to make it so that we can do ministry with this facility in a greater way than what we're doing currently. And so I just trust that uh, you'll give as, as God would lead you to give concerning this. Second Chronicles chapter 7 and verse 14 is not a verse that you've never heard before, I am sure. I am sure you've heard multiple messages on this verse of Scripture. And what I shared with you this morning, I'm sure, will not be anything new for you. But from time to time, we just need a fresh reminder. And so I'm hoping that this will be a fresh reminder for us this morning as we study this one verse of Scripture. If my people, who are called by my name, humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. Some of you, not all of you, are old enough to remember September the 11th, 2001. How many remember September 11, 2001? Do you remember where you were when you first heard what was going on? Do, do you remember where you were when it became evident that the United States was under attack? Oh, on that day, the unthinkable and the unimaginable happened. Our homeland was attacked and damaged by outsiders. Now, on more than one occasion... Uh, America has attacked and damaged herself. Study history. Study about the Civil War. Study about the race rights. Study about war protests. Stu study about different events that have happened in the history of our country. And, and you'll see that we have often turned upon ourselves and hurt our own selves. But not since the Revolutionary War have outsiders dared to attack the continental United States. September the 11th. 2001. For those of us who were living at that moment, we will long remember that on that fateful day, we know what happened. Terrorists hijacked four commercial airliners from the skies of eastern America. And over the next one and a half hours, a nightmare unfolded. A nightmare unlike anything we could have ever imagined. Two of those planes that were hijacked were flown into the World Trade Center, and we know that eventually that same day the World Trade Center imploded and both towers fell. One of these planes was flown into the Pentagon, where that it did a lot of damage to, to the Pentagon that had to be repaired. And then one actually crashed in the countryside of Pennsylvania because passengers were able to overpower those terrorists on board. In, in the wake of those attacks lay the twisted, charred ruins of buildings and an untold number of dead, some 3,000 total with everything added together and the infliction of an intense physical and emotional suffering that still goes on today, 22 years later. Now for one brief moment following that dreadful day, for one brief moment, Churches in America were full of people. Churches in America had people gathering during the weeknight and on Sundays to pray. For one brief moment, people in America 
forgot about all of the divisions and all of the issues, and for one brief moment they came together, made their way to the local church house to pray for God's blessings upon America. I, I was amazed that not only church people were doing that, but the lost were doing so. We, we were not living in Lyman at that time. We were still living in Landrum. But, but I was in Lyman a lot because our, Rhonda's parents lived in Lyman, and, and we would come to Lyman a lot. And, and I remember driving in on Highway 29, passing one of the strip joints of that day. And on the billboard, out beside Highway 29 were these words, God bless America. And I thought to myself, oh, my word. Even strip joint operators understand that God is the only hope that we have. And even the ungodly, even the lost, were willingly seeking God's blessings upon America. They, they wanted Him to do what no one else could do. But I said this was for one brief moment and it was very brief in a matter of a few weeks to a few months people again drifted away from the church from the prayer meetings and from God and here we are 22 years later we have not had another attack like that we have not had another outside force attack America but within America we are still attacking each other you can't turn on the news you can't pick up a paper you can't read a magazine you can't have a conversation without somebody talking about the condition that we are in we are still being torn apart by extreme rhetoric from multiple directions, we are being broken apart and torn apart by self-centeredness, by loss of value of life, by extreme greed, by sinful lifestyles, and a loss, loss of simple truth. For one brief moment after 9-11, people flocked to the churches, and people were seeking God's blessings. And now... We find ourselves 22 years later living in a nation that is divided. Living in a nation that is hurting. Living in a nation that is struggling. Our nation is sick. Our nation needs healing. And may I say kindly to you and to me today, our nation will not be healed by Republican nor Democrat. Our nation will not be healed by some educational institution. America's healing will not come from society in general. The healing of our nation will come about through 2 Chronicles 7 and 14. This is the only hope that America has for healing. We all will pick our candidates, and we will all hopefully go cast a ballot, and I will never ask you who you voted for. 
it's not up to me who you vote for, but I can guarantee you whoever we vote for, that one person will not bring healing to America. That is something that only God can do. In 2 Chronicles chapter 7 and verse 14 gives us the prescription that is needed to heal our nation. We go to a doctor when we were sick, right? Oh, well, most of us. Men sometimes are like, I don't need to go see no doctor. I don't need no stinking doctor. I'm a man. I'll be okay. This man gets sick. He goes to his doctor. I don't like being sick. I'm allergic to being sick. I'm allergic to pain. I'm allergic to suffering. And if my doctor has a pill or a shot or a prescription that's going to help me, I want it. I ain't too proud to go. And I'll go and get whatever. And I'll say, they'll say, where do you want your prescription sent to? CVS and Lyman. And then it's like, when will that prescription be ready? Because I want my medicine. You ever felt like that? You want it, you need it, you want it right then? We want that prescription filled? Well, God is giving us a prescription here. In 2 Chronicles chapter 7 and verse 14, on how to heal a nation. But a lot of people today don't want to hear this. And a lot of people will run from this. And a lot of people will say, that's so old-fashioned and out of date. And they'll say, that there is no, no truth to that. And I'd say, yes, there is. And I want to explain to you this prescription today. There are three lessons about it. And I mean, it's very simple what God says. Number one, the first lesson is this. This prescription is for a specific group. Not just for anybody and everybody, but for a specific group. Listen to what he says. If my people. Now, in Second Chronicles, he's talking about the nation of Israel. But we know this also applies to believers. Not just the nation of Israel, but those who are believers who have believed upon the Lord Jesus Christ and those who, who trust God to be their Savior and to be their Lord and God. He says, if my people... Do, do you understand that the lost will always live like the lost? Why are we so, so, so surprised when we read the paper or watch the news and see what lost people are doing. Why, why are we so surprised by it? You go back and study from Genesis through Revelation and you will find that lost people have always lived like lost people and lost people have always done ungodly things. In the Old Testament they even did child sacrifice. When we see the evil things going on in our world today, by the ungodly and by the lost, we should not be surprised. But what surprises me sometimes is what believers do and say. Or what those who claim to be believers do and say. Our actions speak louder than our words. I, I could go out there and stand in the middle of the road and I could say, I'm a 1955 Chevrolet. And I could say it over and over. I am a 1955 Chevrolet. And I could stand there in the road and somebody come by and look at me and say, what is that idiot doing? 
they would know I am not a 1955 Chevrolet. Just because I said I'm that does not mean that I am that. And just because someone says I am a believer, because they say I am a Christian, that does not automatically make them one. Those who claim to be, but they live ungodly lifestyles and they do ungodly things, they're the ones who surprise me and concern me more than the lost in the world. And here in this verse of Scripture, God is calling out those who belong to Him if my people. So those of us today who are here who say we are believers and that God is our Father, He's talking to us. This description is for us. It is not for the lost world. It's for the believers. So the first lesson, this description is for a specific group. Second lesson, this prescription has specific requirements. Now, you know some of that medicine your doctor prescribes for you? It has some specific requirements with it also, doesn't it? Sometimes it says, take it before you meal. Sometimes it says, take it with your meal. Sometimes it says, take it after your meal. Sometimes they say, take it when you first get up. Some says, take this when you go to bed. Some will say, you only take one every 24 hours. Others will say, take one every four to six hours. I, I mean, these prescriptions of medicine, they're very specific in what we're to do with them and how we're to take them, and, and we've got to do that in order for them to do what they're designed to do. Well, well this prescription on healing a nation has very specific, specific requirements also. I'm having a hard time saying specific. John Wesley, can you say specific for me? He said, I can say specific. <laughs> but, but the prescription is very specific. Number one, what is it that this verse says? It says, if my people who are called by my name do what? Humble themselves. And I think in a spiritual sense, humbling ourselves is basically this. We are agreeing with God that without Him, we are nobody. Without Him, I can accomplish nothing good. Without Him, I, I cannot be that dad or that mother or, or that son or that daughter. I cannot be that singer or that preacher or that pastor. I, I cannot be anything without Him. We, we humble ourselves before Him and say, we really don't have what it takes. And if we're not careful, we'll think we've got a good education, we, we've got good resources, we, we, we've got the ability to do research, we, we've got good friends who can give us input, and, and we become proud and, and boastful, and, and it's like we can do anything. No, we can't. We cannot do anything without Him. So we have to humble ourselves, first of all. Then what does He say we have to do? We have to pray. Isn't this amazing? I told you this was not going to be anything new for you. We all know as believers we're supposed to pray. The prayer cross, it's not magical. All it is doing is just drawing attention to the fact of prayer. It's drawing attention to the fact that they are lists and names and needs and hurts that are on here. That, that need to be prayed for. 
And we as believers should always willingly and obediently be praying to God for other people, for issues and needs and concerns, and, and for ourselves and for our nation and for our church. We, we should always be praying, but undoubtedly, here in Second Chronicles 7, 14, they, they have kind of strayed away from praying, and, and he's bringing them back to the fact you've got to pray. Grace's future is not based upon me. Grace's future is not based upon you. Grace's future is based upon praying to God for God to do the work that needs to be done. And that's what's going to change our nation. We can go to every pep rally from the, for every politician. We, we can gather together with thousands upon thousands and thousands of people and we can hoop and holler and chant and, and raise hands and we can wear our colors and we can do, do all these things for that individual we want to vote for and want to be elected no matter who it may be we, we can do all of that but it's nothing compared to praying for our nation now I believe God can lead you to vote for a specific person I'm not saying that that's not important I'm just saying that that is not the most important most important is praying so this prescription says, number one, we humble ourselves. We admit, without you, God, we can do nothing. Number two, we pray. We seek God's face and God's will and God's wisdom for those issues that are facing us individually, as a family, as a church, and even as a nation. And, and thirdly, it says, seek. If my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray and seek my face. This is a continual act seeking God's faith. Every day we should be seeking His faith. That means we should be seeking to be more like Him. Every day this week. Are we more like Him today than we were yesterday? Are we more like Him today than we were a year ago? Are we more like Him today than we were five years ago? Is this church more like God today than it was six months ago or 16 months ago or three years ago or 10 years ago? Or are we more like God? Are we seeking His face? Are we turning to Him instead of turning to gimmicks and, and gadgets and personalities and programs? Are, are we seeking God's face? For a nation to be healed, we've got to seek His face. Not face of a politician, not the face of a political party. And, and, and again, I, I'm not picking and choosing here. I don't care if it's Democrat, Republican, a Tea Party, Coffee Party, or, or whatever party it may be. Independent Party, Libertarian Party, it, it just doesn't matter. None of them take the place of us seeking the face of God for our nation. Then he says, turn. We, we humble ourselves we pray, we seek his face, and then we turn from we turn from our not so bad ways. Is that what the Bible says? The Bible says we turn from our wicked ways. Not many people want to be told that they are wicked. Would you agree? If I came up to you after service and said, Hey, you wicked thing, you Would you smile at me and say, thank you for the compliment? If I sent you a text, I said, hey, Wicked, what are you doing today? Maybe I'll send Wes one of those just for the fun of it. 
we, we, we don't like to be called wicked. And we don't like to be told what we're doing is wicked, do we? Oh, that thought, that word, that action, that, that's just wickedness. We, we, don't, we like to think that we are overall really pretty good people. We, we, we like to think that on a scale of 1 to 10, we've got to be at least a 6 or a 7. And on some days, we'd probably be a 9 or a 10, right? Especially if we compare ourselves to somebody else. I mean, I, I can compare myself to some other people out there that I know, and I'd come out smelling like a rose. I'd, I'd be the best of the best of the best of the best that's ever been. But then I can compare myself to some others, and I'd come up real short, and it'd be like, oh, compared to them, I'm, I'm not much. It, it's kind of like in sports. I... I I, I can compare myself to that derper that shoots 150 on 18 holes. And I can say, I'd do 110. I come out pretty good. I can compare myself to some of these new stars on the PGA Tour that shoot 20 and 30 under for four days tournament. And I come up stinking. I mean, I'm not going to compare myself to Rod, to Rob. I, 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 maybe. I, I I couldn't compare myself to Matt, probably. He's, he's, he's too good. But, 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 you know, we can always find somebody to compare ourselves to that makes us look good and feel better. But this verse of Scripture is not about comparing ourselves to anybody. It's simply saying, hey, you, you're called by my name. I want you to turn from your wickedness. That doesn't name what that wickedness is, but I can tell you what wickedness is. It's anything that is contrary to the Word of God. We, we like to think wickedness must be if you go out and murder ten people. Wickedness must be if you go out and stay on drugs all, all the time. Wickedness must be if you go out and, and rape somebody. Or, or wickedness must be when you go out and you uh, just randomly shoot people. No. Wickedness is any time we do anything contrary to what God has revealed to us to do. So in other words, we all do wicked things from time to time. And we're all wicked from time to time. And the scripture says we've got to turn from that. We've got to leave it behind us. Now I'm not preaching sinless perfection. As long as you're in this world you will not reach sinless perfection. But what I am preaching is that with God's grace, God's help, God's strength, we can be better today than we were yesterday. We can be better next year than we are today. And we can be more like Christ five years from now than we are today. And, and it's simple. We humble ourselves, we pray, we, we seek His face, we, we turn from our wicked ways. So this prescription, three lessons. The first one is, it's for a specific group. It's for the believers, those who are gods. It has specific requirements that we humble, we pray, we seek, and we turn. And then this prescription produces specific results. Now, when I go to the doctor and, and he sends this prescription into CVS for me, he is writing a prescription, a sending prescription that supposedly will help with specific issues. Some eight, ten years ago, I had to have my thyroid removed. Without a thyroid, 
you don't live long unless you have the synthetic medicine for what the thyroid produces. So every three months, I have to get that medicine prescription picked up. Once a year, it has to be renewed by my doctor. Without that medication, I'm not going to have any energy. I'm not going to think clearly. It'd be even worse than it is now. Y'all think I don't think clearly now? It'll get even worse. And eventually, I would just die. But that medicine and that prescription has a specific outcome to replenish my system with that which my body no longer can produce. This prescription on how to heal a nation produces specific results also. The first one is this. It gives us a hearing from heaven. When we pray, do we ever stop to think about who we are praying to and where he is? We're not just praying to the attic. We're just not praying under a tree. But we're praying to God in heaven. And it says, when we do these things, then I will hear from heaven. Could you imagine anything greater than the ear of God being tuned to you as you make your request and God hearing that request that you make? Whatever that request may be, for a friend, for a family member, for a job situation, for, for the church, for the nation, for whatever that request would be, to, to know that you have got the attention of God in heaven and he hears what you are saying. Most of us have raised children. Some are raising children. Some are going to raise children. Do children have a knack for getting your attention? Did they ever say, Mama, 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 hey, Mom, or Dad, Dad, are you listening? Dad, I, I mean, you can be engrossed in something, and, and what are they going to do? They're going to keep going until what? You finally say, what do you want? But hopefully you say it kinder than that. But I've got to confess there were times I said, what do you want? What? Please. They wanted my ear. They wanted me to listen to them, to hear what they said. God also wants to hear what we say. And he said, if we'll do this, we will gain his attention and we will be able to know he is hearing us from heaven. But, but there's another result, not just a hearing, but a forgiving. He says, I will hear from heaven and will forgive what? Their sin. Remember I talked about wickedness and wicked ways? Well, here it's just narrowed down to that little three-letter word that we all know, sin. You, you wouldn't like it if I walked up and called you wicked and if I told you you were doing wicked things, but you might would handle it a little better if I said you're a sinner and you're sinning. Same thing. If we're contrary to God, not living for God, not, not pleasing God, then, then we are being wicked 
doing wicked things. We, we are a sinner committing sin. But he says if we do these things, he will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin. Does anybody have a sin they need forgiveness for from this morning already? You don't know how to answer that. Did, were there any cross words spoken at your house this morning? Did you have a bad thought on the way to church? I, I'm very transparent. And in, in mine and Rhonda's soon to be 48 years of marriage, the answer would be yes. I, I used to leave the house on Sunday morning at 7.30 and head to the church so that neither her nor the kids could get me in a bad frame of mind before I was supposed to preach the gospel. Do preachers really go through that? Would you... Would you believe that Satan wants to do everything he can to distract the preacher on Sunday morning or whenever it is he's preaching and, and Satan may work through the family and Satan may work through situations and circumstances just to get your eye off of God and your eye upon him? And it's kind of like, oh. So Sunday morning, there, there are a lot of families who get to church that need to be praying for forgiveness for they ever get there because... It's been rough at home. How do I know? I have lived it. I'm not talking about something theoretical. I'm, I'm talking about real life. We all, on any given day, have things we need to ask for forgiveness for. A proud, proud spirit. Or, or horn-cussing somebody on the road. You, you, have, you have done that, I'm sure. How many of you got a working horn on your car? Y'all got working horns? Do you ever use them? Yeah, yeah, I, I mean, you, you know, we, we, we need forgiveness for just the way we think about somebody we've just met that we don't even know, but all of a sudden we're thinking, oh, they, they can't be that good. There, there's so many little things that come along that, that leads us astray that we need to ask for forgiveness for. On any given day, any given moment, every one of us needs to be praying for forgiveness. And the scripture says that if we do what's said here, he will forgive us. I need forgiveness on a regular basis. And he says, and I will forgive their sin and kill what? Their land. Kill their America is sick. Uh, America is destroying itself from within. Uh, America is so divided. It doesn't matter what the issue is that comes up in America. We are divided. Nobody likes what anybody else says or does. And if we think we're right, then we think they're horribly wrong and horrible people. We can't even have civil conversations anymore about our differences. Civility has gone out the window. You either agree with me or you are no longer of any value to me. 
Scripture says God can heal our land from that. Scripture says God, God can heal our family from that. God can heal us individually from that. The, the Scripture says that God can bring healing to our land. I encourage you always to know candidates and what they believe for and stand for. I, I encourage you always to pray about who to vote for. And I encourage you always to go and cast your ballot, even if it's not who I would vote for. That's immaterial. But understand, only God can heal our land. And as we enter the 4th of July week, we have to admit the sickness of America. We have to admit the need that we have. Now, this week's going to be full of all kind of events. I mean, there's going to be some parades. I got over parades a long time ago. There's going to be food. I've never gotten over food. Matter of fact, I'm going to get in on the food here in a little while. I told Rob he was going to eat and be fat today. And he said, I, I like that. <laughs> so we're going to eat and be fat together today. There's going to be gatherings. Now, I like gathering with y'all. I like gathering with my Thursday night group. But I'm not big into these other gatherings. When people were talking about going to Pickens yesterday, 30,000, 50,000 people, I'm like, you couldn't pay me to get in the middle of that many people. I, I, oh, my word. I, I'd have needed four pills just to get there. But there's, there's going to be the political events. There's going to be parties. There's going to be fireworks. Did you know there's going to be fireworks? Have you ever heard, have you already heard fireworks? We had some last night north of you acres that it sounded like the Russians had arrived. It was boom, bam, and Shasta was barking like, which way do I go? Who do I protect you from? And, and she was running to this door and bark. She go to that door and bark. Well, that's just the beginning, friends. Social media will be eaten up over the next three days. Do you hear that? Somebody's shooting fireworks. Oh, would they quit shooting fireworks? They were shooting fireworks at midnight. I used to be that person. They were shooting fireworks at 2 o'clock in the morning. There's going to be fireworks. Just get ready. It's going to happen because we're celebrating America. And we're celebrating our independence. Enjoy all of this. Celebrate America. Eat. Make ice cream. Eat watermelon. Cook out. Go to parties. Whatever. But remember that America is sick. It needs healing. And it's up to believers to begin to change the course of America by simply doing what 2 Chronicles chapter 7 and verse 14 says. If my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land.
I pray that America survives for a long time. I've got grandkids that will eventually get to live. And I for them. It's up to us as believers. Don't wait for that lost person to do it. They're, they're not going to. Believers, we have to step up and do our part. Would you stand with me, please?